0: Our scripture reading today is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Let's stand in honor of God's word, read this responsively. I will read verse 1, and we will read verse 2 together, and so down through verse 8. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and one mediator also between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I am not lying. As a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, may you open our hearts to see how much you love us, And how much you want us to listen to you and to talk to you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Another school shooting. It hits us so close to home. Our hearts go out and we say, what in the world? Somebody needs to do something. And some people say, well, you kicked God out of your schools. You kicked out prayer. You kicked out the Bible. And at times of school shooting, people gather to do what? To pray. And then the liberals always say, yeah, you Christians, all you want to do is pray. Why don't you do something? Got me to thinking about prayer. You see, a lot of people see it this way. Like it's a choice between do I pray or do I do something? I've never seen it that way. I believe we ought to pray and do something. Now, I won't get into what we ought to do. I have my own opinions. How many of you have opinions? I thought so, yeah. I didn't come here today to preach my opinions, although I'll be glad to share them with you another time. I like what Jesus said He said, Ask and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks, receives. And he who seeks shall find. He who knocks, it shall be opened. I believe in asking. But I also believe in seeking. And I believe in knocking. So when we see a need whether it's in our nation or our home or our family or our business or our own heart. We see a need and then we find out what God has said about it because we better know what his will is because prayer is not a matter of getting God to do our will. I hope you know that. Prayer is about getting us in line with his will so that his will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, as a counselor, I meet a lot of people with problems, and i found that people with problems, they pray. They pray. Whether they're Christians or not, they pray. It's amazing how many people pray. But unfortunately, many people pray this way. They want God to do their will. And when God doesn't do what they want Him to do, they get mad at Him. And that's why so many people are mad at God and church and religion and everything else today because God didn't do what they wanted Him to do when He want, when they wanted Him to do it. No prayer is lining our will up with God's will. So we find out His will in His word. He speaks to us. And in prayer, we respond to His word. We listen to His word and then we respond in prayer. Asking that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, not my will but thine be done. So we ask. How many of you were taught to close your eyes when you pray? Anybody here? Yeah, 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 Where's that in the Bible? Anybody seen that in the Bible? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a good thing to keep kids out of trouble. I think that's why that was invented, that whole close your eyes to pray thing. You know, I'll get off on that. But anyway, we pray. But then we better open our eyes and start looking for the answer. Amen? See, faith looks for the answer. We don't just ask and then go about our life like nothing happened. No, we ask and then we start looking. We're watching for what God is doing. I appreciate the Blackabees ministry teaching us to experience God. I hope you've done that study. It's a great study. To look for what God is doing. So we ask, and then we seek. We look around. Where is God at work in this situation? Where is that answer coming from? Because I've found a lot of time the answers, they, they come out of nowhere. They come from an unexpected source. God has ways of acting that are way beyond our expectation or desire. And so we seek. We look for the answer. And then when we see what God is doing, then we're like, I want to be part of that. Let me into that. Let me be part of that. We knock. And when the door is open, we go in. Amen? Whether it's door number one, door number two, or door number three. When God opens a door, then we enter and we do what God has blessed us to do. I praise the Lord for the work of the Gideons. They're not just praying about the lost. They are seeking the lost. And they're knocking on doors. And when one door closes, they they, they look around for other doors. When the doors into the public schools for public distribution of the word of God closed a few years ago, they didn't give up. They said, we're going to find a way in. Talk about closed countries. I like what mission boards call them. They call them creative access. Countries. Creative. God called us to be creative. So, prayer. And here, this passage is talking to us about corporate prayer in the assembly. You know, this is Pentecost Sunday, and if I were liturgical, we'd be doing all that stuff. I'm just a Baptist. I don't know what Sunday it is, you know. But, Pentecost happened in a prayer meeting. It was the church gathered in the upper room to pray. They were praying. They were Praying for the Holy Spirit to come. Why? Jesus had promised that the Holy Spirit would come. He said, tarry in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes. And they were praying for the Spirit. They knew it had been promised, but they were claiming that promise in prayer. And then it happened with a mighty rushing wind. With tongues of fire on their heads. With a miraculous ability to speak in languages they had never learned. And the church... Was born on Pentecost in answer to prayer. And yet today, prayer has become unpopular in worship services and in churches. It's boring. Is he done yet? Is he still praying? What in the world? And you got your eyes closed. You know. <laughs> Prayer. No, the smart churches, the big churches, the trendy churches, the modern churches don't waste a lot of time praying during their worship services. That's boring. That's not exciting. That's not jumping. That's not happening. Most churches have already canceled their Wednesday night prayer meetings, by the way. It's unpopular. You know, it's a funny thing. Most churches, if you had a vote whether to continue prayer meeting or to shut it down, most people would vote yes. But you know what? Everybody in a church votes every Wednesday night on whether you ought to have a prayer meeting or not. Yeah, you do You vote every Wednesday night how I praise God for the people that come to prayer meeting in the church. That's the motor of this church. That's the motor. Some churches have a really big bus being run by a little sewing machine motor, you know. No wonder they don't go anywhere. That's the motor. I praise God. I love prayer meeting on Wednesday night. I love it. I love it. I love it because those are the people that want to hear the word. We open the word together. We sing together. We share, we pray, we intercede. We bring the power of God. You see, a working church that works and doesn't pray. You see, when we work, we work. When we pray, God works. And when God works, lives are changed. Unsaved people get saved. Saved people overcome sin and grow in godliness. Ah, prayer. You're going to get a new pastor soon. It's in the works. Have you been praying for him yet? God knows who he is. You better pray for him. Okay? Pray for his wife. If he's got kids, you can pray for them too. They're going to need it. Preachers, kids, man, that's a whole prayer list in itself. I appreciate those of you that pray for me. I would never want to stand in a pulpit of a congregation where they didn't pray for me. How I appreciate those who pray. Corporate prayer. That's the subject of this text because the text that we are dealing with here in 1 Timothy chapter 2 is the context of the public worship of the church. The key verse is 1 Timothy 3.15. But if I am delayed, Paul says to Timothy, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Wow. How to conduct yourself in the house of God. It's talking about conduct in public worship. And he says there are some priorities to be dealt with. You see what he says, first First of all. Do you have priorities in your life? I love lists. How many of you make do lists? Anybody here make do lists? Yeah, I have do lists. I love do lists. And then you make your do list, and then you prioritize your do list. What has to be done First. Do you do the hardest thing first or the easiest thing first? Well, I don't know. And, and so you decide what you're going to do first because the thing that's first will probably get done where the thing that's last, it might get done, it might not. You have priorities. First of all, first of all, he says, what should be first of all when Christians gather together? He says prayer is to be a priority in the public worship of the church. I went to one of the largest churches of America a number of years ago. I like to visit churches. I'm mostly tied up on Sundays. So when I get away, I, I try to visit other churches. And I visited one of the largest churches in America, and I visited on a Wednesday night. And this was a soul-winning gospel church. And I went to what they called prayer meeting on the program. The weirdest thing was that over, although there was over 1,000 people there was well-attended, Nobody ever prayed during that service. They didn't pray on the platform. They didn't play. They handed out a prayer list of all the sick people. That was it. It was just a preaching service. It's a preaching service. Now, preach is okay. I'm in favor of preaching. I am. But I'll tell you what, preaching without prayer is just human effort. Prayer is what brings God into the situation prayer is to be a priority in our public and in our private life it is one of the reasons we gather the disciples gathered to Jesus and they said Lord teach us to pray notice that they didn't say teach us how to pray because most of us know How to pray. We could probably teach a lesson on how to pray. Our problem is that we just don't do it much. And I'll tell you what, if you don't pray much, I know what you are doing. I know what you're up to. You're worrying. Because I tell you, there's trouble in this world every day. There's stuff. There's stuff. And if it isn't your stuff, it's other people's stuff. Amen? And you care about people, you have worries. Okay, And you're either going to, I love what one man say. here's the definition of worry. Worry is praying to yourself. Ooh, I don't want to do that. So anytime any trouble comes along, you're either going to worry about it or you're going to pray about it. That's why Paul said, pray without ceasing. I wonder, how can you do that? I've got a lot of other things to do. I can't stay on my knees all day with my eyes closed, especially when I'm driving, you know. I've got to keep my eyes open. I have things to do. How can I pray without ceasing? And then I realized, you know, I am capable of worrying without ceasing. I'm I'm just behind the scenes of my life, and I can worry. What would happen to me if I took every worry and gave it to God? Hey, I've had to learn to do that as a pastor because I have not only my own problems, my family's problems, but I have a whole church's problems. And people come to me with their problems. And they say, Pastor, this is what's going on with me. No wonder so many pastors are depressed and having nervous breakdowns and quitting the ministry and and, and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because they're trying to carry burdens that God never intended for them to carry. I have to pray all day. Just so I can function, because I have to give things to the Lord. I see needs in my life, the life of my family, the life of the church, the life of friends and concerns that come upon me every day. I have to be praying all day, or I'll end up with those burdens on myself. I give them to him. I entrust him to his care. And go through the day. Something good happens, I say, thank you, Lord, you're so kind. I get a check in the mail, you know. so thank you, Lord, you're so kind. I get an unexpected bill in the mail, and it's like, Lord, I'm trusting you for this. Not going to worry. No, I'm going to trust God. Pray without ceasing. So he said, what we have to learn is learn to pray. However, Paul did teach Timothy how to pray. He mentions four words for prayer. There's a bunch of words for prayer. There's four mentioned here. He says, I am urging you to pray with entreaties. Entreaties has the idea of praying for other people. And in order to pray effectively for other people, you need to ask them how they're doing, you have to show a genuine interest, you have to listen to what they say, and then you've got to remember to pray for them. It's work. That's why I have a detailed prayer list. I do. Now, I have one list that I pray for every day, and then I have different lists for the seven days. So I pray for certain people on Monday, certain people on Tuesday. I've had to organize my prayer list. And when somebody says, would you pray about this? I try to carry my, you see my little three by fives. I try to write it down and then transfer it to my list so I can remember to pray for them. Otherwise I'll forget. I have a good forgetter. I do. So I have to listen I have to record it, I have to remember it, I have to list it, and then during that prayer time I'm going to pray for them because I want to be faithful. Samuel said, lest I should sin by failing to pray for you. So we should pray for one another. We should care about people and their needs and listen to them and then pray for them. You're going to need a prayer list to do that. Confess your trespasses one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. Then the word prayers, has the idea of pouring out your heart to God. What is happening? Lady pushes her seven-year-old son out of a window of a hotel in New York City, and then she jumps out. They find him on the sidewalk, Dead. What leads a person to suicide? The suicide rates for young schoolgirls in our country has skyrocketed. Suicide attempts and su- succeed in, in suicide. What, why are little girls killing themselves in this, the richest country in the world? What is going on? Young people are under all kinds of pressure. And problems and we look at young people and they're like they don't have any problems <laughs> wait till you get my age then you'll know what problems are now these young people do they have big problems this shooter came out this morning that some girl had rejected him and that that was the trigger that set off his killing spree Kids have problems, I'll tell you, they do. And they compare themselves with one another on Facebook and all this kind of stuff, and they think everybody else is having a great life but them, you know? It's horrible. What do you do? Pour out your heart before the Lord. Hey, the only person that really wants to hear the whole story is the Lord. I'm sorry, you know. You might think that uh, there's people that care enough about you, but I'll tell you what he's the one to pour your heart out to tell him the whole story he loves you he cares for you he listens to you and he will act on your behalf he will heal your heart and he will address the situations that cause you to be under so much pressure and difficulty and then come with thanksgiving thank him be, have the attitude of gratitude. Any Anytime anything good happens to you, say, Thank you, Lord. Why? Because every good gift comes from above. For whom should we pray? We should pray for all people. And especially for kings. Now, we don't have a king. Now, we do have a new duchess and duke, and I'm not going to get into that whole uh, thing. Why are Americans so impressed by what we rebelled against? But anyways... <laughs> Uh, it's, it's amazing. We're to pray for all kinds of people, and especially for those who are in authority. Hey, does President Trump need prayer? Do you realize that every news report you hear about him is intended to be a prompting for the prayers of believers? Every time you hear of some mess he's in, pray for him. He needs prayer. You say, well, I don't know whether he's worthy of my prayers. I happen to be a Democrat. Well, do you know who was the emperor when Paul wrote this? Nero. Nero. Not a guy I would have voted for. A persecutor of Christians. The one who gave the orders for Paul himself to be executed. But he said, pray for him. So it's not a matter of who you voted for. You vote for whoever is in authority. Romans 13 says the powers that be are ordained of God. Pray for those in authority. Pray for people who are in authority over you in particular. Okay? Think about it, children. Have you prayed for your parents? I'll tell you what, your parents need prayer raising you. They do. They need wisdom. They need patience. Wives, pray for your husband. He's the head of the home. He needs prayer. Pray for your teachers if you're students. Pray for people in authority over you. They need prayer. And I'll tell you what, they will benefit from your prayers. We should pray for all people, especially those in authority. Why should we pray? Well, that purpose clause verse 2 that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty or reverence. He says, if you want to have a peaceful life, then pray for those in authority over you. Wives, pray for your husbands. Church members, pray for your pastor. Citizens, pray for your president. Pray for your representatives. Pray for your senators. Pray for those in authority on your job. Pray for your boss. Does your boss need prayer? Oh, you say, oh, my boss, he needs prayer. Yeah, pray for your boss. It's so much better than gossiping about him, okay? It's amazing how people gossip about the boss or the company. Pray for those in authority over you that you may have security in your life. God has ordained authorities so that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and honesty, God accepts these prayers. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. He wants us to pray for those in authority. Now why? Because he desires all people to be saved, especially those in authority. And so we pray for the salvation of those in authority over us. Pray that they will come to know Christ as their Savior because Jesus truly is the savior verse four he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth do you believe in being saved i do some churches you know they don't believe in that one lady said she went to her pastor she heard about being saved on the radio she went to her pastor and said do we have to be saved and he said no not in this church you know you can be a member you don't need to be saved Why did Jesus die? Why did he shed his blood? Why did he die? So that we could be saved save from the penalty of our sins, which is eternity in hell. That is the rescue that every person needs. And that is the greatest need of every heart. He desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You say, well, if he desires all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth, why don't all people get saved? Well, because not all people have heard the truth and not all people believe. All of us deserve to go to hell. Some of us will go to heaven because somebody told us about Jesus and God gave us the grace to believe and to be saved. Why do people have to be saved? Why can't they just be good enough to get to heaven? Why? Because verse 5 says there is one God and one mediator between God and man. What is the message of the Old Testament? There is one God. What is the message of the New Testament? There is one mediator. And Satan worked so hard in Old Testament times to get the people of God to believe that there were many gods when in fact there was only one. And now in the New Testament times in which we live, Satan is working overtime to cause people to think that there are many mediators and mediatrix. That is, that the saints and Mary and some other person can somehow get you to heaven. The fact is that there is only one who is the man, who is God and man, who is the only mediator between God and man, who died in our place and for our sins. Jesus said, No one comes to the Father except through Me. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He gave Himself a ransom for all. He paid the price of His own precious blood to buy us out of the slave market of sin. And that's why God appointed Paul to be a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. So, God cares about all kinds of people. So I want to ask you a question. Do you have a prayer list? Do you have a prayer list? If you don't have a prayer list, you ought to have a prayer list. Now, some of you so organized mentally that you can do it all in your head. That's good. I can't do that. I'm not that organized mentally. But somehow you need to have a prayer list. People that you care about and things you pray for. And you know what's great about a written list? I put the person's name, what I'm praying for specifically, and then I have a third space on my paper. You know what that's for? The answers. I love filling that part in. And when I come back to that, it so encourages me. Uh, Diane and I have seen so many answers to prayer just in this past year. I could tell you one testimony after another of ways that God answered very specific prayers for us, for our family, and for the ministries that we are involved in. I am overwhelmed with the work of God in the answers to prayer. And then finally he says, who should be leading the corporate prayers of God's church? He then speaks here in verse 8, of the men, and he doesn't use the word anthropos, which speaks of all people, which he has mentioned earlier in verse 1, on behalf of all men, which is anthropos, anthropology, all people, men and women, but here he is using the term aner for men as opposed to women, who he instructs as we looked at last week in verses 9 through 15. He says, the men, the men, in every place, that is every place of worship of the church, every place where the church is gathered in the public assembly of believers, he says, I want men, the men, to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. You know how you can tell what kind of a church you're in? This is Baptist. This is charismatic. It all goes by the number of hands you put up you know you say well we don't put any hands up here well you know it's biblical it's actually more biblical than bowing your head and closing your eyes you know that and down through history people have prostrated themselves in prayer they've knelt in prayer they've stood and looked up to heaven in prayer They have lifted holy hands in prayer. And he says the men in the assembly should lift holy hands. What makes the hands of a man leading worship too dirty to reach out to God in prayer? He says there's two sins that are men's sins. Wrath and dissension. I want to talk to the men for just a minute here. Anger, bitterness is a peculiar, particular sin of men. Men get mad. Men get angry. He says, men, if you're going to be a holy man who can lead in the church and lead in prayer and be the godly man that god's called you to be you're going to have to get that anger issue under control you're going to have to deal with that and you do not have the power in yourself to deal with your anger i hear all these ads about testosterone you know how, how when the aging male needs to take pills so he can get his testosterone back. I am so glad that I'm way past a lot of testosterone. I tell you, most of the troubles I had in my life, I think, was because of all that stuff. You know? I just don't get as angry as I used to. I don't. Why do I want to go back to that? the drivenness of young men. But it can drive them to anger. It can drive them to abuse. It can drive men to say things and to do things and to hurt people just because their emotions are stirred up. It's like a man turns every emotion into anger. And it's a nasty thing. Only the Spirit of God can bring the power of anger under control. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Men, learn to let the sun go down on your anger. Learn that when you get mad at your kids or mad at your wife, mad at your boss or whatever it is, Learn to get into the habit to pray and to give that anger to God. Give it to him. Give that problem to him. Say, Lord, help me with this. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to ruin my relationships. I don't want to break things up. I don't want to cause dissension in my family or in my place of business. He says, if you can deal with that in your life, then you will have clean hands and a pure heart you will be able to lead the congregation in prayer now it doesn't say that women shouldn't pray in the worship certainly women did pray in the worship we know that they were part of these prayer meetings and assemblies but men should lead the way and I think the reason why God says men I want you to lead the way in 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 prayer is that naturally men don't so many men are willing to say well you know, we, we pray before our meals, so honey, why don't you lead the children in prayer? I think men need to man up when it comes to praying in front of the children, around the table, and about needs of the family. I have learned as a dad that I never let go anywhere or let anybody leave our house without saying, let's have a prayer huddle, and we have a prayer huddle, and, and I cover my family in prayer. I pray for my family. I pray for them. I try to lead them. I want my children and grandchildren to know that in this family, the men lead in prayer. Mama prays. She'd pray anyway. She wouldn't need a Bible verse to tell her that. She'll do it anyway. But men, we need to man up and step up and lead in the church and in our homes so that prayer is not a sissy thing for weak women and little children. It's something that is as manly as you can imagine because the head of the home is talking to the head of the universe about the needs of that family and that church. He is lining up his will with the will of the Father because he knows the Scriptures and he is providing a prayer covering for his family. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we are so privileged to come to you through Jesus Christ and his shed blood. We come boldly because you have told us to. Forgive us when we have worried when we should have prayed. Forgive us when we have tried to get you to do our will instead of Line our will up to do your will. Forgive us when we have in our own efforts tried to do your work and to please you rather than letting you work through us as a result of prayer. Help us all to learn to ask and then to seek and then to knock and to enter into those areas of fruitfulness and blessing that you have for our lives, for our families, and for our church. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Let us pray. After prayer, we will sing our traditional song. Our Father, we're thankful that you have said that we can come to your throne of grace. And we come to that throne this morning being thankful in our minds and deep in our hearts for a God that loves us so much that he gave us his son. Father, we confess that sometimes we feel we're not worthy, but we also see in your word just how much you love us and the invitation that you have given us. We thank you, Father, for Gideon's International for all that they mean in spreading the word of God throughout the world. For the three servants that we have recognized this morning, Emily, Melissa, and Seth, for their devotion. Thank you for the ministers we have here at Wake Chapel Christian Church, for our interim pastor, Dan Peters, for our minister of music, David Brown. Thank you for this church family which faithfully serves you. And Father, our mission of the week, Siloam Missionary Homes, is a special mission to this church and one that is nearby that we can visit. Thank you for Larry and Joyce, for their work there, for Milton and Betty, for Henry and Linda, and Father, these servants we know face trials with fundraising, with hard work, with poor health sometimes. We think now of Linda, Henry's wife. Linda is beginning kidney dialysis. And we pray for all our friends and family at Silo Missionary Homes. We pray, Father, that you will give us wisdom wisdom to search for your will in our lives and to be obedient in jesus name we pray amen